Amen. Good morning. We are in, you know it, 2 Kings chapter 13, verses 14 through 20. Some of you are going to be really happy. It's the last week of this series because we've been in the same seven verses for the last four weeks. This is the fifth week. Um, but one thing I've been trying to show you is that the Word of God is alive and active, and you can pull so much meat and so much food out of just seven simple verses, and we can get something different out of it every single week. And um, this story in action that we've been looking at um, is an object lesson. And from this really simple uh, archery lesson where the prophet Elijah pulls out this prop and he teaches us uh, something about some spiritual principles. And, you know, it makes me feel better about the times that I use props here in church because uh, one of the greatest preachers that the Bible has ever recorded the life of, Elijah, he used these props to, to prove something to the king and to show him an object lesson. And, and I think that's because often our actions speak louder than words. And sometimes it's, it's not even in what we understand or what we say we believe with our mouth, but it's in what we actually apply and do and live out that shows what we truly believe. Because a lot of people walk around saying, I believe this, I believe that. But if it's not shown in your life, then is it really true? And this passage is cool because he uses a bow and arrow. You know, Jesus did this too, by the way, in the way that he taught. Jesus didn't stand up there like a seminary professor and throw out all these big words. Jesus used object lessons. Jesus, uh, when he would preach, he would often point at stuff to illustrate his points. Like he would point to the birds and he would say, hey, if God feeds them, do you think he's not going to worry about you? If not one of them falls from the sky, do you think that he's not caring about you just as much? That he's got you? He would point to the birds to show that, that he's watching over you. Or sometimes he would contrast. He'd say, you see that big mountain over there? If you just had the faith of a mustard seed, you could move that thing. He said, if you would just believe a little bit, you could do a lot. But so many of us don't even believe a little bit. One time he wanted to show them that he was the bread of life. So again, he used a, a great illustration. He tells the disciples to go feed people. And they said, we can't. And he said, no, you're exactly right. But I who was and is and is to come, can take your I can't, and I can turn it into something powerful, because I'm the one that does that. So one time Jesus wanted to show that he was the resurrection, right? That was another thing he did, and so he, he let Lazarus die. Why? Because he needed an object lesson. <laughs> and so then he said, Lazarus, come forth, and Lazarus walked out, and he pointed to the tomb, and that was his object lesson. He was pointing to every dead thing in your life that he has the ability to make come to life. Every discouragement, every disappointment, everything that's dead, he can bring to life. And so that just makes me feel good that, that when the, the king went to the man of God, the prophet Elijah, he used a prop. And so I want to read it for those of you who are just joining us this week. In case you're new to the series, I want to draw you in because I really want to do my best to draw as many people as possible in every single Sunday to the story that we're going through, the passage we're going through. And so I don't care if it's your first time or if you've been coming the whole series. I don't care if you have the whole book of 1 Timothy memorized or you dated a guy named Timothy one time and it went really bad. I don't care. I'm going to try to draw you in. So let's start. We're going to start today in verse 15. Because Elijah says, get a bow and some arrows. And he did so. He said, take the bow in your hands. And when he had taken it, remember that part. Not when he'd looking at it. Not when he studied it. Not when he analyzed it and processed it through his mind for years. Not, when he, not even when he prayed about it. But when he had taken it in his hand when he took action on the word of God that was spoken, and then it says, Elijah put his hands on the king's hands. And that's kind of the theme of this whole series, if I was to sum it up. God's guidance, some of you are seeking his guidance, 
is awaiting your participation. When he did what he was supposed to do, and I'm thankful that God guides my life. I'm thankful for that. But the times where I felt like God was silent and I went through those seasons, if I look back now, looking back, I can see that those were most often the times where I wasn't listening to the things he'd already told me. And when I started participating in the will of God and acting on the things he asked me to act on, then he started to guide me more and more and more and speak more. And so I know that God's hands have always, in a sense, been on my hands. Even in the seasons where I didn't want him to lead me, he led me. And when he put his hands on the king's hands, you know the story, he kind of gives him some instruction. You know, some of us wait for years for God to speak to us, and I think sometimes God's up there saying, if you would just do the thing I already spoke to you, then I'll speak to you some more. And, and, and if you do the last thing I told you to do, then I'll guide you some more. And he tells him this instruction. He says, open the east window, and he opened it. Remember, God did not open the window for the king. He instructed the king to go over and open the window and look in the direction of his opposition. So then the prophet told him, open the window and then shoot. And he shot. And the prophet declared, the Lord's arrow of victory. The arrow of victory over Aram. Aram was the the group of nations that were oppressing the people of God. It was their sworn enemy. The arrow of victory over Aram. The arrow represents victory. And it's the Lord's victory. That's what we need to remember. It's His strength. It's His arm. It's His solution. It's His way. And it's higher than ours. And we need to not always go for our way. We need to go for His way. Because His way is always better. We need to learn to see the victory before we can seize it. Because if you can't see it before it comes, then that doesn't require any faith. And I love, I love Elijah in this story. I mean, he was a straight shooter. Get it? The arrow? Okay. So, that was cheesy. But he, he was a straight shooter, meaning he told him what he needed to hear. He always told people what they needed to hear, whether they wanted to hear it or not. And he, so he says, you should have, young king. You could have, and then you would have. But you didn't, and so now you're only going to defeat the enemy three times. You're not going to defeat the enemy completely. And that's how the story ends. And this week I was talking to my younger self. Because I remember growing up in church and having a lot to think about it. <laughs> and uh, I was imagining how the pastor would have needed to preach for me to get it. For me to walk out of there and actually remember the message. Um, and so teenage Jared, he wouldn't have just preached about bows and arrows. He would have brought a real bow and arrow up here as a prop. So, just so you remember the message, I was wondering, is there anybody here that maybe brought an arrow with them? Not so much? Yeah. Oh, Pastor Nathan. Great. Thank you. (laughs) Can always count on Pastor Nathan. He's always prepared and ready for anything. That's why I love you, Nathan. You're like in my top four pastors here at Rise Church. So... (laughs) how many we have all right so um but he was just sitting on that because he was ready i wonder how many of us are sitting on something that's ready to be used but we're not actually putting it on our hands and letting it fly because that's a problem that's one of the biggest problems in christianity is we just sit on everything that god's given us instead of actually picking it up with our own two hands and applying it to our lives and being doers of the word of god as it says in james Remember in this story it was not a deficiency in the weaponry that god had provided to the young king to win the battle it was a deficiency in his will. He didn't have a lack of weapons. He had a lack of will to let them fly, to do what he needed to do. That he wouldn't drive every arrow into the ground. He was supposed to keep pushing, remember? He was supposed to keep striking the ground until every last arrow was used, but he stopped short. He quit at only three arrows. 
He didn't push hard enough. And you know, we all need a, a push every now and then. Can we admit that? Like we all, we all need just a little nudge, a little push and, uh, to motivate us, to help us get on the right path, to do what we think we can't do and get us in the right direction. I feel like it's my job a lot of times here on Sundays to kind of just give you a little push. Like just give you a little nudge with the Word of God so that you can be stronger throughout the week and apply some of God's principles to your life. I think that's what the worship team's job is too. It's just to give you a push. It's to give you a push and fill you up for the week ahead. And, uh, and so you don't, you know, because I know that some of you walk in here and if we're being honest, you walk in here and you don't feel like praising God. And you just cussed at your kids in the van on the way over, but then you walk in here and you're like, praise Jesus. And, um, but what I'm saying today is that it doesn't actually have near as much to do with this as we've been talking about the last four weeks. I think it actually has a lot more to do with something else that we actually haven't brought up yet. And so that's what I want to bring up today. And in this series, we've talked about how we have to aim at something. We can't wander through life aimlessly. We need to pick up the arrows that God's given us. We need to aim it at things intentionally that He asks us to aim at. And then we need to actually act. Some of us wander through life without aiming at anything. And, and you know, Wayne Gretzky said a great biblical concept. He said, if you aim at nothing, you're going to hit nothing. And that's biblical. We're supposed to be intentional with the way we live our lives. And so... Um, We've been talking about the arrows over the last few weeks. I've been talking so much about them, but you can't leave any in the quiver. You need to use them all. You need to shoot them all. Don't leave anything on the battlefield. We've been talking so much about the arrows, but I realize there's another part of the story here. Maybe this last week of the series, we need to talk about the bow. Because we haven't talked about the bow yet. And the bow is where it all started. It all began with the bow. Justin, you have a bow? Did you bring a bow? I love these guys. They're so prepared. Yeah. Oh, you got one too? <laughs> oh, your name's Bo. I didn't get the joke. You're funny, man. You're preaching next week. So, but I was thinking in all the, in all the context of what we've been talking about for the last few weeks um, and the principles that we've been learning, um, I thought I would do a little illustration here. So, I promise I am not stupid enough to point this in your direction. So, because you were looking scared, Bo. Um, <laughs> So, what I'm going to do is we're just going to demonstrate this because then you'll never forget this passage of Scripture. So, he said, pick up the bow, pick up the arrow, and then on the count of three, I'm going to shoot it, okay? So, we go one, two, three. <laughs> All right. I thought that would be a little more powerful of an illustration, so let's try it again. So, can you guys help me out? Say, get your bow, get your arrow, shoot. Count with me, one, one two, two, three. You like that? Am I doing something wrong? Because I, I pictured this being a really powerful illustration when I came up here and you'd all cheer because it would be amazing and it'd stick in the wall and all that cool stuff. What am, I, what am I doing wrong? Yeah, exactly. I'm not drawing the bow. I'm not pulling the string back. I'm not providing any tension for the arrow to fly. And so, here's the deal. In order for the arrow to fulfill its purpose, the bow has to be drawn. In the same way, in order for you to fulfill your purpose in life through Jesus Christ, you can't just be pushed. You can't just, you can't just tap it. You can't just give it a little nudge. Okay, That's useless. You have to actually provide some tension and pull it back to let it actually fly and achieve its purpose. 
Because if you walk out of this place every week trying to live out these principles in your own strength, you are going to look as stupid to the devil who's going to attack you as I look to all of you right now. (laughs) Because that's not the way that it was meant to go. But once you understand that there's a pull, there's tension that's required, once you understand that, it changes everything. That the power of God is not in your effort. It's not your strength. It's not even your arm that provides the power. But it's His Spirit that you have to rely on for that pull, for that tension in your life where you can actually let something fly with some force. And some people, just like this young king in the story, they will do what they need to do as long as somebody's pushing them. And that's true of a lot of us. We'll do exactly what God tells us to do as long as somebody's giving us a nudge. As long as somebody's pushing us, somebody's giving us motivation, as long as the sermon on Sunday was powerful enough to give me that motivation to make it till at least Monday, they'll do what they need to do. Everything that the prophet told the young king to do, he did up to a certain point. He said, get a bow. He picked it up. Take the arrow. He got it. Open the window. He did it. Shoot it. Strike the ground. He struck it. But then it was the moment that he took, the man of God took his hands off the king's hands. And he was no longer pushing him and showing him the way every step of the way. That was when he stopped short. And see, I mean, some people have to be pushed to praise God. Some people have to be pushed to sing to God or lift their hands or give God any kind of passion. And, uh, you know, you don't have to prompt me. That's where we need to live. You need to get to a point in your relationship with God where you don't need to be prompted by others all the time to do the things that He's instructed you to do. But there's a tension there where he's, not, he's actually pulling you in the right direction from inside. Because you actually recognize that His Spirit lives within you. And so you no, no longer require somebody to push you constantly. You know, so some people have to be pushed. Other people, they have something inside of them that just draws them. It draws them. And so the question today is, do you have to be pushed to do the things that God's instructed you to do? To live the way He's asked you to live? Or is there something inside you that's pulling you in a more powerful way? Because it's not in the push. It's all in the draw. It's all in the pull. That's where the power is. See, before I did this, I was armed, right? Right now I'm armed. But when I do this, now I'm dangerous. I'm only armed right now. I have the weapon in my hands. It has potential, like we talked about a couple weeks ago. But it's not dangerous until I actually do this. Until there's tension. Until I actually pull the string back. The, the devil doesn't fear you. Sometimes we walk out of church on Sunday and it's like, I'm going to apply that thing that I learned and I'm just going to... You know? And we just walk out like it's with no passion about it. No intention of even applying it. And we say, here, devil, take that. Right? <laughs> He's not scared of that. But when you have some leverage, now maybe you're going to do something. You have to have leverage. And what happens when leverage comes in is there's tension. Some of us think that the presence of God means there's never tension, there's never struggle, there's never sacrifice, there's never pain. Really, it's the opposite. You can look all through the Scriptures when there's struggle, when there's tension in your life, that means God's doing something. That means God has the potential in that moment, if you allow Him to, to take that mess or whatever that difficult thing you're walking through and turn it into something amazing. That's where progress comes from. Power comes from pressure. That's a, that's a physics thing. It's not, you don't even have to know the Bible. Pressure creates power. It's required. And yet we don't think it's required sometimes in our spiritual life. It's in the pull. 
Somebody say, I got pull. That's what Paul was saying too, by the way, in 2 Corinthians 10.3. He said, though we walk in the world, we don't wage war as the world wages war. In other words, we're not throwing our own arrows. We actually have heavenly leverage. We have a power behind our pull that we don't recognize sometimes and we need to embrace that. The weapons of our warfare, it says, are not carnal, but are mighty. They're mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. The weapons He gives us. So some of you, you've been pushing, 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 constantly pushing, and that's why it's not working. God says, no, you need to sometimes pull. Sometimes you need the tension. Sometimes you need to be drawn by me and follow my leading and follow my spirit. Because, because this, that's like, that's like motivation. That's motivation. And we need motivation. Motivation is good. So you can come in here on Sunday and I can motivate you and that might get you till Tuesday if you're lucky. Some of you that actually listen, maybe Wednesday. <laughs> you know, I don't know. But if there's something going on inside of you, and that's different, and that's what Jehoash didn't, didn't have. He had the push. He was being pushed. But then when somebody removed their hands from, from guiding him and he needed to just follow the leading, see, that's called inspiration. You don't just need motivation. You need inspiration. That's what I'm trying to provide you today with these object lessons is I want you to be inspired to walk out of here and never forget this one. Not just be motivated for the next couple of days until we come back next week. Because, you know, inspiration is what pulls me from the inside. Okay, motivation is like when my wife in the morning says, go get him, tiger, you're going to preach a good one. <laughs> Smacks me on the butt. <laughs> inspiration, though, is, guys, I have to be here. Because I don't have to be here. I really don't have to be. I could have asked Pastor Nathan to preach. I could have asked Pastor Matt to preach. I'm up here today because I need to be here. I, there's something from deep inside me that, that, that pulls me to be here that I can't not do this. This is my calling. This is my purpose. This is what everything in me tells me to do. And I get excited about it because God gives me words that I'm supposed to share with all of you. It's my calling. It's my purpose. But I found that the power comes from the tension. The power comes from the pressure. And I could use a lot of biblical examples of this, but I decided to use Joseph. Because Joseph at the end of his life, after he saw what God's purpose for his life was, at the end, when it was fully fulfilled, because he didn't get to see that till later. And that's true of so many of us. He saw the portrait of it by the end. He saw the, the full panoramic view, not just the little blips that we see along the way where we wonder, where's the purpose in all this? Where's God taking me? I don't understand. I want to quit. I want to walk away. Then something happens where you're looking back and you finally see, okay, now I see the purpose that was there all along because now I have the panoramic view. So at the end of Joseph's life, he saw that and he goes to his brothers. You're going to love this verse if you haven't heard it because it's powerful and some of you need to remember it. He goes to his brothers who had pushed him into a pit earlier in his life and left him for dead. And he says, what you guys meant for evil, God worked for good. In the moment, he didn't see that. When he was pushed into the pit, he just thought it was evil. It wasn't going to become good. <laughs> That's how most of us live. That's where we walk. But then later, because he kept pressing and being pulled by God, he got to see the whole view. He got to see that, okay, now I see why I was there. Now I see why I struggled through that. Now I see why I was left for dead in a pit because it all led to this day. It all led to this day where now I'm in a position of power and this and that. And, and so when it didn't go the way I wanted it to, when they pushed me, when they talked about me, when they gossiped about me, when they slandered me, whatever it was for you, 
eventually, if you keep being pulled by God, you can look back and see, now that you have the whole picture, okay, there was purpose in this all along, and he took even that junk and worked it together for my good because I'm called according to his purpose. The hand of God has always been on my life, and it's always been on your life, whether you recognize it or or not. And so while people were pushing you with one hand, God was pulling you with the other. And there's power in that. To know that there were seasons of my life where God was positioning me exactly where I needed to be for my future purpose. But in the moment, it didn't feel like that. And when you understand that principle, though, guys, life doesn't seem so random anymore. And it doesn't seem like an accident. And it doesn't seem like it didn't have any purpose. You eventually see that God had purpose for you all along, even through the tense times. Because if you look out here, you can't always see it. But once you're ahead of it, you look back and you can see it very clearly. You can see the road that you were walking on that led you to a place of purpose. If you look back, you see, if you look back some of you will see that what you thought was a time in your life when you were younger where your mom dragged you to church and made you come. If you look back on it now, you might actually see that, okay, it actually wasn't my mom making me go to church that day, that day that everything shifted for me. It was actually God using her. God made me come to church. God pulled me there. It didn't feel like that. I was mad at my mom for making me be there. But now that I'm looking back, God used her to get me there because that's exactly where I needed to be so that I could be here today. Some of you remember the day you got saved, the very day. For some of you, it was right here in this room. And a pushy friend or family member dragged you here. And they were pushy. And you didn't want to be here. But then you gave your life to Jesus Christ that day. Because while they were pushing you to be here, God was pulling you to be here. He was providing that tension to get you here. On November 27th, over 35 years ago, I came into this world because she pushed. (laughs) Too graphic? But while she was pushing, God was pulling. It was his intention. And God is pulling because he has a purpose for those that are coming into this world. He's drawing you. Nobody's here by accident. Everybody's here on purpose on this earth. Every single one of you in this room has a purpose that's beyond what you can imagine. God brought you here. So get a bow, get some arrows, and he says to the king, let me give you a little object lesson in the way that God works, in the way that God moves in your life, and the way that God is drawing you into purpose. Yes, sometimes it's painful, Yes, sometimes there's a tension that feels like it's going to snap. But there's a purpose. And God can work all of that toward His purpose for your life because it's a great purpose. When He releases you after that tension is when sometimes you get to see the trajectory of your life that was always heading in the direction that He wanted it to go anyway. And it's a powerful thing to realize. He's always been pulling me. Guys, He's pulled me out of some relationships that I wasn't supposed to be in. Yes, He did. He pulled me out of some pits that I fell into with my own dumb decisions. Aren't you thankful for God's grace? Pulling. He's drawing you. What was Elisha doing when Elijah, the prophet who came before Elisha, threw the mantle over his shoulders and said, you're the next prophet for the nation of Israel. You're the next seer. You're the one God's going to speak to so clearly and then you're going to speak to all the people and see God's miracles. What was he doing? You remember? Plowing. He wasn't a prophet. He was a plowman. He was toiling and working hard ground behind a plow. 
He was exactly where he needed to be, even though it was hard work and even though it didn't feel like it was where he wanted to end up. He was where he needed to be and he was working hard when God pointed him out. He was a plowman. And by the way, he wasn't pointing to himself, saying, God, notice me, notice me. I have potential. I have purpose. Use me, use me. He wasn't pointing him out to the prophet. Hey, prophet, I'm the next guy. Come use me. I'm talented. I'm skilled. He wasn't saying that. Because you don't have to be pointed out by yourself when you're in God's position for your purpose. You don't have to say, hey, I need people to like me and notice me. God will point you out when you're in the right place. God himself will pluck you out wherever you're at if you're following him, and he will make sure you end up in your purpose. You don't have to call yourself out. He will do it for you. You don't have to self-promote. See, Elijah wasn't even looking for Elijah until God spoke his name and showed him the exact physical location where he was. Because now, this excites me because I realize that what Elijah asked the king to do at the end of his life was actually what God had been asking this man of God to do his whole life, and that's how he was bringing miracles through his life was through the tension. It was through the pull on his life that he was responding to again and again and again. And so one day, let's do another object lesson. Why not? Stand up, Corey. Wake up. So we're going to, can you put first, it's already up there. Thank you. So we're going to act this out because Elijah was plowing the field behind 12 yoke of oxen. So we're going to act this out. You be the ox, I'll be the man of God. Okay? So he's plowing, right? And you, you, guys, you guys know oxen, right? Because you have a lot of experience around oxen. So if you know anything about oxen, they're kind of slow. So you've got to drive them. You've got to drive them. And you're just driving them. And, so, and what you're staring at the backside of is not that attractive. And you're just going and driving and driving. And he's doing it. Wondering where his purpose is. Not knowing what's going to happen. And if you read the verse on the screen, it says, Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. And he himself was driving the 12th pair. So notice that the, the soon-to-be new prophet had to be where he needed to be in position preparing for the purpose that had not yet come to pass. So then put verse 20 up. It then says, Elijah left his auction, oxen and ran after Elijah. I'm going to trip. And illustration's over. Give Corey a hand. <laughs> so there's a shift that happened because God pulled him out from where he was. So now what's happened is the one who was doing the driving is now being drawn. Being drawn to his greater calling. The one who was driving the ox and plowing the field is being drawn by purpose. And so now he's being drawn by God for the purpose in his life. And this is what happens when grace comes into your life. And this is what happens when you allow the Spirit of God to pull you in the right direction instead of you constantly trying to push yourself in the direction that you're not going to end up if that's the way you're going trying to do it by your own strength, you're not going to get there. This is what happens when you hang on to grace. This is what happens when you let go of your way, your push, your thought, your way of thinking, your way of doing things, and let God pull you toward His way, which is always above your way. His thoughts are always higher than our thoughts, and allowing Him to pull you in that direction. And you say, God, lead me. Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? Not what do I want, not what makes me happy, not what I think will fulfill me. Because remember, he knows what you need, and it's often different from what you think you need. He drew me. 
He pulled me to himself. I had, guys, I had to be. It wasn't an accident. I had to be at that one extremely boring event that my parents made me go to over 25 years ago where a man walked up to me and said, you're going to be a pastor someday. I had to be there because I hadn't even thought about it until that point. And that was one of the things that started me on the journey that I've been on. Looking back, I can see there was purpose even in that. In the moment, it was like, why'd you bring me here? This is so boring. I had to be there. He drew me. I had to be in all the situations growing up where I was sitting there in a hard wooden pew like this because I couldn't get comfortable listening to the most boring sermons I've ever heard in my entire life. I had to be there as a young boy because it taught me that there was a better way to teach the Word of God. There was a way to teach the Word of God where people actually listened and remembered it and applied it to their life. I had to be there at age 12 listening to a pastor in an old church wondering why the heck I needed to be there rewriting his sermons in my outline in a way that made sense to me. I had to be there. Because if I hadn't been there listening to Reverend only speaking big words, I wouldn't be able to be here today and understand the value of teaching in a way where people get it. Because guys, the Word of God is not boring. The only time the Word of God is boring is when a boring person is reading it. That's the only time it's ever boring. And so in all these different places in your life where you're feeling that tension and you're feeling that pressure, God is preparing you. He's getting you ready for stuff. And so I don't know who this message is for, but He's drawing you. Say He's drawing me. And some of us need to leave our doubts behind. We need to leave our dysfunctions behind. We need to leave certain patterns behind because He's calling us. We can't spend the rest of our life staring at the backside of an ox. It's not what we were meant to do. He's drawing us. Pulling down of strongholds. I'm, in other words, I'm not pushing my way through life. I've got pull. I've got somebody drawing me to where I need to be, and I need to follow his leading every step of the way. There's a few teenagers under the sound of my voice in this room. Let me just stop for a second and share with you, because many of us have learned this the hard way you will find no significance in popularity. Ever. And there's, there's this thing in the, the younger crowd where popularity is something that you're pushed into and you feel like you need to be pushed to be more popular and you're pushed into popularity. Popularity cannot give you any sense of significance. But if you let the purpose of God pull you and draw you in the right direction, even if it makes you unpopular, young people, then you'll have greater purpose in your life when you reach our age. It's pulling on you. He's always been pulling on you. Directing your paths even before you even wanted to wander. There's been steps. There's been things put there that you can grow from. And so part of the reason that we did this series, guys, is when your car is out of alignment, what do you do? You realign it. And something I've noticed in a lot of Christians in our current culture is that we're out of alignment. Because if we really believe what this Word says about those who are in Christ, I've said this a million times, I'm going to say it again until we all get it. It says that you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus who loves you. It says you're an heir to His throne. It says you're a child of God. The one who created it all. God. It says that He will never leave you nor forsake you if you're in Christ. It says that if He is for you, who can be against you? Nothing. Nobody. And it also says the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells within you as a Christian. That's a lot of power. The Holy Spirit of God dwells within you. You're its temple. You're His temple. 
But the, 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 re- the reason we need realignment is because even though we read that and even though that's something God tells us and we say we believe it, so many of us still walk around this earth in total weakness. And we walk around without thriving and we walk around without seeing God do miracles and seeing all these great things come to pass and God move. And so we need a realignment. And that's what the series has been about, that God... God is the one who makes things grow. God is the one who changes people from the inside out. None of us have the power to do that. But He doesn't leave us out of the equation. He requires our participation. He requires us to act and to do the things He's instructed us to do. He leads us. He pulls us. He draws us. Jesus' invitation was simple. He said, follow me. Follow me. He says, come. He says, I know where I'm taking you. You might not have any clue, but I know. And the reason I'm not telling you right now is because it's uncharted waters. (laughs) And if I told you right now, you might walk the other way. So just follow me and trust me. And when there's tension and when it feels like you're being pulled, listen to that. Because the push is only going to get you so far.